Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, they are. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace are just moments away, but always a great time to call in now to become a part of the program. Get all of your questions answered. 866-391-1020. And yes, we'll take the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020 to win that amazing $25 gift certificate from the good folks out in Wexford that is, of course, Sorgals. But right now, here they are, stars of the show, Doug Oster, everybodygardens.com, and Jessica Wallace. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from EverybodyGardens.com and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Boy, there's a lot to do. <laughs> there sure is. Welcome to fall, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's no sitting around in fall. There's no, lots to do. There is. And it starts for me with uh, our tulip poplar. And the last time the Davy Tree guys were in, I asked them why my tulip poplar is dropping all these leaves. And they mentioned that because it was wet early and now it's really dry that some types of trees, including tulip poplars, are dropping their leaves early. So I'm already sweeping them off of the patio. <laughs> I don't mind them in the lawn. We just mow over them and that's all good. But yeah. I don't think I've ever really experienced a season like this uh, where everything has just gone completely crazy because of all that rain. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking before we came on about our Mexican sunflowers, you know, we talk a lot about Mexican sunflowers, but your neighbor actually <laughs> had to come over because they were so big. Mine mine are just, they're got to be 10 feet tall. I've, I've never had them get that big. And the woods are just covered in wildflowers. And it's just, it's just been a, a remarkable season. It really has. And it's been remarkable in the vegetable garden as well. I was out there yesterday doing some cleanup and some weeding in there. And I pulled the old cabbage plants out and some old broccoli out. And then I get to work this morning and (laughs) Doug's car pulls up next to mine and he opens up his trunk and he says, I got some stuff for you. (laughs) And it's a flat of exactly what I need to fill in the empty spots. We have kale, two different types of kale and lettuce seedlings I wish I would have wish I would have read what that white one was because it's one I I wasn't familiar with. I saw it when I when I bought it. I wanted to buy the red Russian, which I love for you, and then the white one was something different. And I was looking at the tag when I was there, but then of course, yeah, two seconds later, <laughs> it's out of your it's mind. Out of my right. Mind. Well, this is a good this is good for our listeners as well because if you're a vegetable gardener or you just want to grow some greens in a container on the back patio, a lot of our local garden centers now have fall plantings of these cold tolerant crops. Uh, and I'm going to try to over my winter my kale. Uh, I have like a little raised bed top I'm going to, or um, cold frame top I'm going to put over it in the garden and see if we can get it to overwinter. Uh, I'm also going to plant a little section of my garden with oats as a cover crop. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research on different cover crops for home gardeners for my next book that's coming out next year. And uh, oats is one of the ones that comes highly recommended. I usually do winter rye, but it's really tough to turn over. It lives through the winter. The oats are winter killed here in Pennsylvania. So I'm curious to see. Where do you get the seeds? uh, I actually ordered mine online, but there's probably some local feed stores and things where you can get oats. Uh, I wanted to make sure that mine were organic. So I wanted to get a particular variety. So I ordered mine online. Um, 
But you know, when they, do they need to be planted? They by? should be planted by early to mid September. So I'm, I'm like, I need to get moving on it right now because they're supposed to germinate this fall. It's uh, early well, to mid September. I know that's why I ordered them. <laughs> I'm expecting them to come in a couple of days. So, uh, but they grow in the fall and through the early part of winter, and then they die off over the winter. They don't survive winter here. And then what you do in the spring is you leave sort of their the 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 detrius, right? So you leave their stems, their debris in the garden undisturbed, and then you can actually plant right through it. And it really is good at weed management as well. So some of the other cover crops, you know, you have to mow, you Mm -hmm. have to turn them over to Mm -hmm. make sure they don't come back in a home vegetable garden. That can be really challenging. So that's why the oats are often recommended for home gardeners uh, in the North like we are. So I'm going to do a little experiment, grow it side by side with the kale and see how we do. And you said that kale is for a photo shoot for the next book, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to do the, I'm going to do the kale with the oats growing together and then, uh, you know, late in the season. And then we'll be able to show sort of what that combination looks like in the landscape. Well, I love overwintering this stuff. Now, <laughs> when I was getting this stuff, we were texting each other back and forth. And of course I said, well, they have some really good looking arugula. <laughs> Jessica doesn't like arugula, but I bought arugula and uh, a couple other cool weather crops. There are some beets actually. Uh, I, I, I love, I just, I love putting beets in this time of the year. E- even if you, if you don't get the giant full size beet, you'll get a beet and that will just sit there, you know, under protection but I can pull those beets out in like January for a thaw or something. And it's just amazing. Now, do you put, ever put like layer of uh, straw mulch on them or do you just use your cold frame tops? I'll put both. I'll okay. put the straw all, all, all around them real thick. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, like four or five inches? Is that real Maybe thick, not that thick. Like three, three. Depending on okay. how... The, it depends on the plants. Sure. And then uh, I've got those plastic skylights. They're about the size of a bed, you know, three by four, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll just put those on top. And then I've got uh, those old street light covers mm-hmm. from Construction Junction. Those are phenomenal. I actually found uh, at a place uh, down the road from me, it had this big, you know, like six foot by three foot window sitting out in the back for a long time. And uh, a guy I work with is writing this thing called the Sophomore Gardener. And I said, he says, I'm going to go to Construction Junction and get cold frame. And I said, well, I don't know. Let me let me see if what they're doing with this piece of glass. Six foot by three foot, and the glass is an inch thick. Oh, wow. And I'm like, That's he, what you he's going to be over. He's actually going to be over Monday. We're doing a live video, and I and I think it might fit in his hatchback. But if not, I'll have to deliver it in the truck. But uh, So <laughs> he's, really, he's really into it. I mean, I can't imagine second year already thinking cold frame, yeah. you know. He's really. It was fun to read his stuff last year. You know, he's got two young kids and a wife and everything, and they're 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 working their way through the the that discovery of having a garden. I mean, I I'm kind of like living through his stories. I just think it's really neat. And then the woman who does my videos, she's I convinced her to write a first time gardening thing. And, oh, nice. And she was in the garden, and I gave her a sun gold little orange cherry tomato, and she just looked at it, and I'm like, "What what are you doing? Just just eat it." She's she's never really eats like raw tomatoes like that she loved it Uh, all right folks congratulations to joyce winner of pittsburgh of course of that wonderful certificate from sorgles and we've got the janoski certificate to give away as well but we've got room for you on the phone lines give us a call 866-391-1020 this is the organic gardeners next hour joe and frank then tc tomatoes eggplant zucchini cleaning up the garden and some great recipes on the coons cooking hour good morning 
No, Jim. Let's go to Kay in the North Hills. Kay, how you doing? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, Kay. Welcome I, back. <laughs> I I listen every every single day. What you're on. Um, I have a redbud tree. I got it from the Arbor Day donation. It's about two years old. It's about not quite um, thirty six inches high, and I want to transplant it. What do I do to do that? What's your nickname for red buds, Jess? Dead buds. Because, <laughs> because How many have you killed? Do, I've killed one. <laughs> well, it's just, I haven't killed it. It's just they sort of have a limited lifespan, and so they do beautifully for 12, 15. It's like a peach tree. You know, they do great for 12, 14 years, and then all of a sudden, that's the end of your red bud tree. So, okay. And sometimes they do have branch dieback. They get like a... a a root rot, and then you'll have one branch die at a time. So, yeah, we're getting, sometimes we're getting, that happens. Getting too. to a good time to transplant, though. We are getting to a great time to transplant. But what I would do is I would hold off until we start getting a little bit more rain. It's been pretty darn dry. Um, and so I would wait maybe another week or two in hopes that we start to get a little more, mo- more moisture. If we don't, I would water that tree uh, really well, maybe every two or three days for about two weeks, and then move. Uh, but you have to make sure that when you move it, the new site stays really well watered. And I'm not just talking about little tiny bits of rain here and there, but really nice, deep, thorough watering uh, through the first year after you move it. That's going to be critical to the success. Okay. okay? And how 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 deep do I dig the hole and how wide do I make the hole? Well, you're going to base that on the size of the root ball that you dig out. Um, so, you know, if you get down in there and the roots are really down and deep and uh, you know, wide, it's, they're probably going to be more wide and pretty fibrous. So you okay. would, you know, dig it out. And then I would sort of wrap it up in plastic or, you know, a piece of tarp or something like that. And you could prepare the new planting hole and make sure you go plenty wide and plenty deep. And then, um, you know, and then move it over. I would say for probably 36 inches. What do you think, Doug? One of the biggest probably- mistakes I think you can make when you're moving a tree is not getting all, all the roots that you can. Yeah. And that, it, it's hard. It's hard to tell from sitting here, but okay. you know, think about what you can actually lift and move. Yeah, you know, w- w- the size of of that hole. And I always try and dig some type of planting hole first for the transplant. But again, you don't right. know how exactly how big it's going to get. But you know, the 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 least amount of time that you leave it out of the soil, the better. Uh, but also be sure. Not to plant it any deeper than it already was. That's another thing that will kill kill a tree. So you just kind of got to play around with it. You know, I I have an old tree spade that I love, and it's how would you explain that? It's like a long shovel. How yeah. would, how would you explain? Does it have that? the serrated edge? Sort no. of long and well, I do. I have shovel. one with I have the new one with serrated edge, but okay. I've got an old one that was my grandfather's. Okay, it's just like a tapered. Probably, it's like tapered, yeah, long and tapered blade. Right. Probably twenty four inches long yeah. and wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's, a, it's that's its job, right? Is you know, and so I go at an angle and I go all the way around and try and get as much as I can, and then you know, gently lift it out. I've just I've seen it too often where it's done in a hurry, and you start they start prying it out, and then all they have is is basically the main root, and that's all they have, no dirt or anything, and they're running it over to the planting hole, and then you got you know. Yeah, you'll Maybe. try to keep as much soil on right. those roots as possible, which will really help protect them. 
Uh, and, and, and keep that, the same mm-hmm. dirt that it's going to grow in. Exactly. Put it back. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, whatever comes out of the hole goes back into the hole with tree okay. planting. Yep, yep. All right, Kay, good luck. All right, let's try Jim again out in Wexford. Jim, go ahead. Good morning. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Hey, Jim, what's going on? Hey, I got a question for uh, Jessica. I uh, Last, I guess, springtime, she told me to take my, uh, I don't have a water place because I live in an apartment, and um, to take my plants and put them in the uh, shower and, um, you know, soak them and overflow them and things like that to get some of the, um, you know, you know, some of the old dirt off top. Um, but the plants are in five-gallon buckets, you know, with reservoirs in the bottom, and I want to uh, replant them because they're just getting too big. And what is the best way to split them? What kind of plant was it again? Oh, uh, well, I have a peach plant, and then I have the, uh, it's like the indoor ivy plant. Okay, like a Swedish ivy or something uh, like that. I want to do those two. But when I pull them out of the pot, I know I'm going to get a lot of roots, and I'm just wondering if I can uh, lighten that dirt up a little bit. I, I don't want to put another, you know, that's 50, 60 pounds of dirt I'm lifting there. Right, right. So, I mean, the peace lily is pretty easy to divide. That's actually a basic, just kind of a crown division. So you could divide it and put it into two smaller pots, which would make it easier to move. This is not really the ideal time, though, to be dividing houseplants. Spring is the best time to do that. Um, Okay. You know, I would say when you take it out, take a look and see how dense the roots are. Uh, You might be able to really kind of... uh, it's just, it's hard to say because it's not really the best time to be doing this kind of work with houseplants. Spring is so much better. I, I can wait till spring. Yeah, I okay. So, when I pull it out, I'm going to get a big bunch of roots, and I'm just wondering if I... If you I know you know that peace lily is going to have a the peace lily is going to have a ton of roots in yeah. there, but that's, that plant is tough as nails, and so is the ivy. Yeah, but, I would wait till spring. Yeah. I would wait till March to do it right before active growth begins. Um, I think that's just going to be better for you. Okay, now do I pull them apart or can I cut them? The Swedish ivy? Yeah, or the, now the, um, I'm talking about the peace plant. If I, Easily. like, took a uh, knife or something and cut the roots down the center, or do I have to pull them apart? Uh, I would try to pull them apart, but if they're so root-bound that you can't pull them apart with your fingers, then yes, you can take a pruning saw or... Or a small chainsaw. Uh, <laughs> or some other type of saw and cut them apart that way. Um, they're a little more sensitive than like a, some perennials and things like that are, but they're still pretty tough plants. So I think you would be okay. All right. What we're going to do now is we're going to step out and get uh, caught up on the news at 730. Then we'll get right back to it. Got that Janowski's gift certificate to give away. Next hour, Joan Frank Dentisi, that eight o'clock hour that's dedicated to the Coons cooking hour, cleaning up the garden, tomatoes, eggplants, zucchini, and more. All sorts of great recipes to share with us. And then Heffron Tillett's and your money and you. Then it's the big black and gold end zone party over at Heinz Field, hours before the big game. And of course, the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show is live at the Rivers Casino beginning at 11 a.m. All of this today coming up on KDKA Radio. If you want to join Doug and Jeff, that number is 866-391-1020. That's 866-391-1020. Yes, they are. But before we get back to Doug and Jeff, let's take the 10th caller to win that gift certificate from the good folks at Janoski's Pumpkinland coming up that final weekend in September and every weekend in October, getting ready for that time of year. All right, 412-922-1020. And let's say hi to Mary Lou in North Swickley. Hi, Mary Lou. Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. My question is this. I bought these Gerber daisies in the spring of the year, and they have bloomed beautifully. My question is this. What do I do with them 
now that fall and winter are coming in. Is there some way I can uh, overwinter them? You certainly can. You can move them indoors as a houseplant, but... Yeah. I, I would have too many of them. Yeah. Oh, you could just pick your favorites yeah, and move those. Yeah, I but, but here's it's the, not going to be easy. Yeah, not going to be easy. They kind of go into a dormancy, so you think they're dead. All their leaves turn brown and die off, and then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's just an empty bear pot. They may or may not come back again. For me, it's one of those plants like a like a primrose that you buy indoors to bloom in February. They're not really worth all the effort for a small chance that they're going to survive. Um, well, you gave me the answer I needed. Yeah, <laughs> I figured I want, I want the easiest avenue I have here. Yeah, enjoy what? enjoy them until the cold takes them. Yeah, and you could take them inside and just you know if they have buds on them, just take them inside. Uh, you know, once a threat of frost arrives, and just let them bloom indoors. But once they start to look kind of raggedy and you know, go dormant, then yeah. maybe just pitch them if you want. So Time yeah. to put the mums in. There yeah. you go. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you. Diane is next from McCandless. Hey, Diane. Hi. I had a question about garlic. Go okay, ahead. My son, bought, my son bought a house, and there were these two-foot-high stems growing with a ball on the end and these little beads in it that smelled like onion. And uh, I, I pulled out one and took it to Hans, and the girl at Hans told, told me that the root that happened to come along with it was uh, garlic. I was shocked. It was just like the size of a gumball. But uh, anyway, that's as big as they, they got. They grew from last year, and then they came back this year the same thing. So I wanted to know, what can I do to get them bigger? Will they grow again, or do I have to plant new ones? I guess we need to figure out for sure if it's garlic. It could be some type of allium. It could be, right? It could, could be, be Egyptian walking onions, yeah, which could, is my original any, thought. It could, could be anything from that the onion family. The, uh, the stalk that had the little baubles, the little tiny baubles on it, was yeah. it a thick, wide stalk that was hollow, or was it like a slender stalk that was solid? You remember? It was a slender stalk. Did it have like a little curly cue on the end of it? Like, did it twist yeah, around? Yeah, curly cue on the end. Okay, okay. so then it was garlic. Yeah, that's garlic. That. Yeah, then it was garlic. That now, do you have do you have like the bulb, and is it in the ground still, or where is the bulb? There, there's a few. You know, there was just about a whole hillside of them, and I just you know I yanked out the one, I went to break it, and here the whole root came, and that's how the girl saw the the root and said, "Oh, that's garlic." Do they have like? S- does it have separate cloves, or is it one big root ball? It it was one. Each one was in an individual root or individual bulb. Okay, and could be uh, a wild garlic could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to tell. I think it's a wild garlic because cultivated garlic like that, the bulb. If you think about if you you know when you buy garlic at a grocery store, it's a bulb, but then it breaks apart into all these separate little cloves. And yeah. so that's true garlic. There are lots of garlic relatives in the Allium family, as Doug was talking about earlier, that have a solid bulb that don't break apart into cloves like that. Some of them, yeah. you know, are edible. Many of them are like marginally edible. They're not poisonous, but like I wouldn't eat them um, without knowing. Yeah, I did break them apart. I, I did break them apart and had all these little um, garlic things, and I used it as garlic. I was making pickles, and I stuck that in there. Okay. 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 I, I hesitate to be like, oh, yeah, it's definitely garlic without seeing it yeah. and knowing for uh-huh. sure. Uh, so, okay. But you just, if, if you like it and you enjoyed it, then I would say, and you didn't have any problems with it, then I would say you can go ahead and break those cloves apart and plant them in the garden usually and plant see the, what happens. Usually plant them in October, you know, three inches down, six inches apart, in good soil. Okay. 
and then a nice blanket of uh, straw on top of them, and then next year they'll start sprouting when the crocus do, and they'll be ready to actually come out around July. Okay. All right, and that's, that's what I'll do. All right, but good luck. But to grow garlic, do you buy individual ones? Is that how you do them, like you would do potatoes? You buy the, the garlic bulb, and then you, you would split that up into cloves. So one bulb okay. would, and then those cloves by next year will give you an entire bulb. So it's oh, okay. it's, di- it's it's different than potatoes. Potatoes you'd cut up in, you know, at least one eye on each one. So oh. it's pretty easy with garlic because you just you save the biggest cloves. I always plant the biggest cloves for the biggest bulbs, and then use the little ones in the kitchen. Okay, okay that's what I'll do. I tried to pull one out now, and it just broke off at the ground. Now, so yeah, I you have to dig it. You'll right. have to dig. Get down under there yeah. and dig it out. Yeah. Yep. All right. It was good funny luck. When the, when I, the one came out. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Good All right, luck to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks. Congratulations to uh, Mary from Evan City, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. And right now, let's go to Emlington and say good morning to Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, sir. I have a question about my winter pear tree. Uh, it's been, it's an old tree. It's probably 40 years old. Uh, maybe a little more. Um, last year and the year before, it started dropping its leaves somewhere in the middle of July to the end of July. Uh, this year, I probably got oh, three-fourths of a bushel to a bushel of pears on it. They're about the size of a ping-pong ball, and they're not good, but I don't understand why it's dropping its leaves so early. Now, there's a little bit of leaves on the top of the tree where there was new growth last year, but I don't know what's going on. Do you have any ideas? Well, I'm suspecting some type of fungal disease. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking, especially the last few years. You know, you look at flowering crabs, most fruit trees this time of the year yeah. have, you know, are almost... Especially with how much rain we had yeah. this spring, which is sort of like a hotbed for fungal spores. So um, I, I suspect that's what happened, and that's why the, the leaf loss is happening. Um, and probably the plant is also stressed, I would assume, because we had such a wet spring, and then we the last few weeks have been extremely dry. And sometimes uh, we talked about at the top of the hour that you, you know, that the trees get stressed by that dry period after so much moisture and they will drop a certain percentage of their leaves as sort of like a protective mechanism to keep them from losing more moisture. So they'll drop early. So I, I think maybe a little bit of that is going on combined with a potential fungal issue. Uh, I would just chalk it up to a bad year for the tree and cross your fingers for better weather next year. Okay. All right. So there's nothing I can uh, do, spray I can put on or anything to... Certainly not at this... Yeah, certainly not at this time of year. Um, I would do... I would recommend a dormant oil spray in February or early March, which will help smother any overwintering fungal spores. And then a a good leaf cleanup. You have to get rid of all those leaves because they would also harbor fungal spores that would then, you know, go up onto the plant for the following year. So what about what about a fungal treatment starting next spring? Yeah. So you could do uh, the one I like for almost all fungal pathogens is a product called Serenade. Uh, okay. which is what's called a biofungicide. So it's I've a, heard you talk of that before now. Is that a spray or it is, is that just a but you could you could it's get it's a spray. It's a for spray. For a tree you could get it as a concentrate. 
Yep, mix, mix it yourself. Mix it and then put it in a sprayer, and that would you know th- that would make more sense for a big. Okay, drink. now is that is that a one time shot deal, or nope. is that every two weeks? Nope, or? no fungicides are one shot deals. Like they uh, all have to be reapplied. There'll be instructions on the label for you. I think it's every probably fourteen days. Uh, okay. f- from, you know, a, a certain point in the season to another. It'll, the instructions will be on the label and you want to make sure that you follow them to the T because those are the ones that were tested and uh, approved and all that stuff. It's a, it's a great product and it really does help manage all mm-hmm. types of fungal diseases. Very good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. All right. We'll take a short break, check some sports, come back, a little bit more time with Doug and Jess and the Coons Cooking Hour after Melinda checks the news at 8. Good morning. All right, ladies and gentlemen, guess who's back? It's Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber. How are you, Denise? <laughs> I would, I would, I would give you my your normal uh, talk and, up, but I don't have it in front of me. So. He's we, we, there's a little computer there's issue computer here this issue morning, here, so, so I he's, couldn't print out the rundown. He's off without a script, man. He just I don't even know if I can himself. do the outro you know without what? reading After it. After all these years. You yeah. should have it right. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Really. Well, yeah. listen, I'm going to do it. It's Denise Schreiber, our Mrs. Know-It-All. She's a fellow garden writer, horticulturist, and all-around garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How are you? <laughs> I guess we know who the Good. brains of the outfit is, right? <laughs> like there's a question? <laughs> that was close, but it wasn't spot on. Yeah. But so we'll take it. The lady, the lady who called in about her uh, eastern redbud, they are susceptible to verticillium wilt as well, so that's another reason they kind of just go south all of a sudden, especially after a rainy couple of years. But the other thing is, when she's t- going to transplant it, um, people, you know, the old adage of burying it deep in, in a hole twice as deep and twice as wide is wrong. Now it's twice as wide. But you only want to plant it as deep as it is when you take it out of wherever you're taking it from. But she needs to make sure that the root flare is showing. That's another mistake people go. They think they can bury it deep. And if people don't know what the root flare is, it's if you follow the trunk down, it starts to widen out a little bit right at the base, and that should be visible when you plant it. That should not be covered up because they're not like tomatoes. that You know, you can bury tomatoes really deep, and they'll develop a lot of roots. Trees aren't like that. So that actually needs to be visible, and then she can spread her out. And don't amend the soil, you know, I mean, take out any rocks you've got. You know, this Pennsylvania, we have rocks. And, you know, take them out and don't tramp on it like a lot of people do, you know, to, you know, tamp the soil. But rather just use the back of the shovel and, you know, tap it down that way. And then you can make like a little wide ring of soil, just a couple inches wide, just to make sure it retains some water. And it should be good to go, but I would not do that now. I would wait until... Actually, I would wait till spring. Oh, really? See, so now I think once we have a little more rain, we want to, you know, fall is the better time for me. But I mean, spring would also be fine as well. But she brings up a good point about leaving that root flare exposed. Um, And the thing to remember is if you're going to put mulch around that tree, which is, of course, a very good idea, you're going to want to keep that away from the base of the tree as well. So your mulch, whether you're moving a little seedling like this or planting a new tree, the mulch should be several inches away from the actual trunk. So you're going to want to make sort of like we always say, make a donut uh, around the tree. You're not actually piling that mulch. You know, I wrote about that. And uh, again, people are surprised at that. They have been. (laughs) Yeah. It's awful. Fooled into volcano mulching, and 
longtime listeners will be so tired of hearing about volcano mar- mulching, but the reason we have to keep talking about it is because They're people still are surprised. Doing it. Yeah, when when <laughs> when when you do it, I talked to uh, a source, and he was just like the the young people that are coming up. That's all they've seen. Yeah, you know, so they just it's just embedded into their mind that this is the way to mulch a tree. Like I told you, my son. <laughs> You know, plant had a Japanese maple, and he wanted to show me how he's working on his landscape, and it's just like volcano mulched it, and I was like, ah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. And that's the thing. When we see the quote-unquote professional landscapers, you know, coming in and piling mulch up against the stem, we automatically think that's the correct thing to do, and and it's totally the wrong thing to do, but it's, you're right. It's what you see every day. You automatically think it's right, and it's not, and it's, we need to kind of, I don't know, we need to create some kind of graphic to go viral to- no volcanoes allowed kind of a thing. So. Well, I saw something come across Twitter uh, from you about unusual bulbs. Yes. It's, we're getting to bulb planting season. I see that they're in the nursery, less and less, unfortunately. But gosh, go out there and plant some bulbs. So what are a couple of those cool ones that are on there besides the one that I love more than any now, my Pushkinia? Yes, Pushkinia are lovely, but there's so many wonderful unusual bulbs. Don't think you have to get stuck just on the daffodil train or the tulip train, right? So some of my favorites are a native North American bulb called Camassia. And Camassia actually has an edible root that the Native Americans would eat. And it's sort of narrow strap-like foliage. Uh, a flower stalk that comes out the top of the plant and gets probably about two feet tall. And then it has these beautiful sort of periwinkle blue spike of flowers out the top. There's pink varieties, I believe, and white varieties as well. Um, one, one time blue I was, is my favorite. One time I was at Chanticleer. Oh, And they had yeah. a, a river of camassia, blue camassia. Just, Love it. Oh, it was just so beautiful. I grow them, but I can't grow them as effectively as mm. I would like. They just, they don't do as well for me as they did there. What else? Yeah. Uh, also another native bulb that I love is the trout lily. Mm-hmm. Um, trout lilies are just lovely diminutive little woodland bulbs. They have sort of a spotted leaf that comes out of the, uh, you know, uh, up just on the soil. It sits right on the soil. And then a little tiny flower spike with sort of a nodding yellow flower. So it's lovely for like the top of a retaining wall where you can see it at eye level or maybe around your front steps or or a back patio, but they do like shade woodland areas. They go dormant in the summertime, as most bulbs do. So uh, that's another good addition as well that I really the like. The ephemeral nature of bulbs is uh, what is so, yeah. you know, some people might say, well, you know, daffodil, it's only here for this long, or the trout lily, or the command, it's only here for that long, and that's what makes it so special. That's right. Is is seeing these little things bloom. We got one more that you love to, to grow from I that. would also say probably the um, the species tulips. Yeah. People feel like tulips have to be tall with big, you know, egg-shaped flowers, when the truth is that so many of the little species tulips that are small grouped together are quite an impact. They have some amazing colors intense, on them. Intense colors. Yes. The blooms open up into like a star-shaped flower, and sometimes the interior is a different color than the exterior of the petal. So the species tulips, for me, are another good one. They they The deer do like them, but they don't like them as much as they like like the standard tulips. And you so, can kind of yeah. hide them. You can kind of hide them. You tuck them into rock gardens and things like that. Well, so. I do, you know, we always recommend that you uh, you plant bulbs. This is the time to do it. We I use this bulb auger. You know, the one I love is the shorter one. Mm-hmm. I know in your article you wrote about both. I just, I love to do the whole job, you know, down low on my knees uh, with the bulb auger and just drilling holes and dropping them in. And I can't wait. I'm going to have to 
I'm going to have to place an order here after I get through with the nursery. All right. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live.